this afternoon, I'd like to talk about processes of our body and mind, of our bodies and minds, uh, particularly processes around which we uh, tend to cling, to identify uh, the processes that uh, the Buddha really highlighted as being the the key areas or avenues around which selfing happens, this process or this uh, identification process of I, of me, of mine. And this question came up um, the last the last um, session we had where we had the questions that were written questions. Somebody asked the question, you know, would you describe the, the five aggregates, which is the name of this uh, this teaching that the Buddha offered. And... Um, so I thought I would do that in this in this talk today. Describe these five processes. The term aggregate um, has a kind of a technical sound. You know, it's not it's not a word we use very often unless we're talking about. I mean, the word the way I'm most familiar with hearing it is like aggregate rock. You know, like aggregate rock is rock made of other rock. And that's actually kind of what these, so it's that these, um, uh, this term actually means, it's stuff made of other stuff. That the word khanda, Pali khanda, uh, Sanskrit skanda, is not a technical term in Pali or Sanskrit. It basically means something like heap or bundle or something like that. So, um, but it's a heap of stuff. So it's like stuff made of other stuff. So we can think of our, I mean, the Buddha actually basically just, um, in looking at the processes of body and mind, he uh, he identified these areas of stuff, of, um, yeah, these these areas of, experience we could say or because very much the Buddhist teaching is experiential um, these areas of experience as being areas that we get stuck and so he highlighted these these areas and everything in our experience just in the way it's just like if the body and mind processes are a big pie it could probably be divided up in multiple ways and this is just the Buddha's way of dividing it up so his purpose in dividing it up this way is to help us see how clinging happens, the, the areas, the ways in which we get caught and stuck. So these five um, areas are body, body processes, physical, physical aspect of experience, feeling, um, the feeling aspect of whether experience is pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Perception, the process by which we recognize experience. We've talked about this somewhat, the, you know, um, hearing a sound and then the, the way the mind identifies or recognizes what that sound is or what that sight is or what that thing we are touching is. So the recognizing aspect of the mind is perception. Um, mental formations, the... aspect of 
volition or intention. This is a big group. This is, this is a big group of mental stuff. This encompasses most of what happens in our minds, or most of the, the activity in our minds around emotions, thoughts, um, um, mind states. So, for instance, anger is a volitional formation, confusion is a volitional formation, mindfulness is a volitional formation, concentration is a volitional formation. And then consciousness, the last of these five aggregates, the knowing aspect of our experience. So these five areas of experience, these five aspects of the body-mind, can be understood in two ways, and they are defined in two different ways in, in the suttas. One of the ways they're defined is as... Um, what we are experiencing, that pretty much anything that we're experiencing, we can recognize as being something, some part, one little bit of the stuff in that heap. So the experience of anger is the experience, an experience that is um, in the volitional formations. The experience of something being pleasant is within feeling. The experience of body sensation, of hardness, of coolness, of um, tingling or pulsing, that's in the area of body. So these, uh, these uh, areas can be understood as what's happening in our experience. That whatever what is happening is one of these five areas. And it's also understood as... Um, the process or the the process by which we experience those things. And so um, the process by which we experience and the process by which they are created. So um, in um, feeling, for example, there is the, the feeling of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And then the Buddha is also pointing to the process that feels, the mental process that does feeling. Likewise, around perception, there is the experience or the recognition of perception. We hear something and motorcycle pops into our mind. That's the, that's, that's the, the kind of the result of the process by which perception is happening. And so the... the um, the suttas talk about both sides of this. In, in, uh, in one sutta, for each of these, he says something like, somebody asks him, so why is it called feeling? And he says, it feels. That's why it's called feeling. And why is it called perception? Well, it perceives. That's why it's called perception. So basically pointing to the active nature of each of these. So the process nature of each of these five areas, including the body, that one's a little harder in a way to understand. I mean, uh, at least for me, in terms of exploring these five processes, it's, uh, it's become clear how the processes, it's become more clear how the processes of the mental processes are at work. So the, 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 the process of perception, the process of feeling, the process of knowing, the process of intending. Uh, um, the, the mental side of it feels very processed, but the physical side just feels like a lump, you know? It's just like, 
What's the process here? And uh, the Buddha pointed to, he, it, was, it was a little bit odd. He used a play on words in this, in this one. Um, in, in all the other cases, like he says, why is, why is it called knowing? Well, because it knows. Why is it called feeling? Because it feels. Why is it called perceiving? Because it perceives. Why is it called body or why is it called form? Why is it called form? And he used a play on words um, uh, that is something along the lines of Tanisaro Bhikkhu translates it again with a kind of a pun. It's called form because it is deformed. It uh, it experience it it is the um, what the process or the what is affected by the world, not just a lump sitting here, but that there is an interaction with with the world. It's deformed by contact, contact with the body, you know, the, uh, in it the in the. Um, I don't have the tech. I mean, I didn't bring that that piece. Oh, maybe I have it. Oh, I do have it. Why do you call it form? It is deformed. That is why it's called formed. Deformed by what? Deformed by cold, deformed by heat, deformed by hunger, deformed by thirst, deformed by contact with flies, mosquitoes, winds, suns, and serpents. It's deformed. That's why it is called form. So it's pointing to not just so it's it, you know it's pointing to all of these things that impinge on the body, but in a process nature. So let's just let that go because I don't think we'll figure it out. <laughs> so um, the Buddha often described or defined selfing. in terms of these five aggregates. And so studying these, getting familiar with these processes. So when, when, we, when I say selfing, you know, the, the sense of I or me or mine, the Buddha said kind of congeals around each of these areas. And um, we can begin to understand how the process of selfing, which is, by the way, simply one of these, it's a volitional formation. It is a process in the mind, an intentional process in the mind. And so seeing how that intentional process in the mind kind of congeals around these areas, understanding these areas both from the process side and what I'll call the result side. You know, the process is at work and then the process um, experiences or knows or feels or perceives. Um, and the, the, the first way or the most easy way to begin to recognize these processes is at work is by the result of the process. So uh, it seems to be, at least in my experience, my doorway into understanding these aggregates was through beginning to recognize, for instance, around feeling. Pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, neutral feeling beginning to understand around um, perception, the experience that the, the recognition of the, you know, the image of a motorcycle appearing in the mind as perception, as the result of perception, that what was recognized. So the, um, 
they're, 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 you know, the two, two doorways of exploring this, the understanding both the result and the process nature of these, it's usually easiest to start with the, the result, basically the what of our experience. This is where we begin in our meditation often. It's easier to recognize what's happening than to understand, you know, how the mind is putting it all together. And yet the, um, the understanding of the what of each of these processes begins to point to the process itself. So as we begin to understand pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, we also slowly begin to understand something about how the process of feeling works. As we begin to understand the, the uh, perception of recognition of things, we begin to understand something about how the process of perception works. The, uh, the Buddha talked about basically that we cling to these areas of experience. And that is the process of selfing. Clinging to these aspects is the process of selfing. And uh, I just realized or recognized a little bit, just as I was reflecting on this topic before coming today, the two sides of this, the process side of each of these aggregates. Um, I think when we cling to the process of feeling, the process of perceiving, the process of um, knowing, when we cling to the process that's experienced as I or me, I am the one who's feeling, I am the one who's recognizing when we uh, cling to the result of the process, that's the experience of mine, my feelings, my, co- the co- uh, my body. So I thought I'd talk about each of these just a little bit. I mean, this just in the nature of the time that we have for this uh, period, it will be a brief overview. Um, but I thought I'd just explore uh, a little bit about the process and the um, result of each of these to begin to point to these areas. Saira Utejaniya um, uh, said that in exploring these it's really helpful to kind of highlight each of these areas maybe for a time. You know, to begin to look at how, how does feeling work? How does perception work? And you, you just explore. And, and I did that for a while actually at Shui Yumin. I just dropped that question in. How does perception work? And the mind began orienting around noticing perception. Began exploring that aspect of experience a little bit. So exploring each of these areas, it, it can, it, it's like it begins to help us to recognize those uh, areas that we do create a self. Where that, that sense of self comes into the mix. He, he said, 
really helpful to break it down at first. And he said, it's like, it's like learning to read. When you first learn to read, you have to learn all the letters of the alphabet, you know, when you're a kid. Actually, this isn't the way I learned to read, but um, he said, you learn the letters and you recognize the C's, the A's, and the T's. And then you begin to recognize, you put that together and it's like, that's a word. C-A-T, you identify the letters, and then, okay, what is that all together? That's cat. So it take, at first you have to learn all the letters, the shapes and the, what's going on there, and then you begin to see that when they're in patterns together, you, you recognize them. And initially, in terms of reading, you have to take the time to learn the letters of the alphabet and to learn, um, you know, the the way the sounds work with the letters. And then you begin to be able to just look at a page and see that. You, you look at the page and you don't have to go C-A-T, cat. You look at the page and cat, actually, you know, it's like an image of a cat pops into your mind. Immediately there's this recognition of that word and what it means with very little effort. Because you have done the work of um, teasing apart and understanding all the basics first. He said, likewise, with these five processes, they're, they're so intertwined in our experience. They're so, um, they're so much a part of the fabric of how we experience things that it's a little bit hard to begin to tease them apart. And so it helps sometimes to just hear about them, to begin to uh, explore experience from these perspectives. So, I'm offering this in that um, in that vein to just describe them a little bit. You might, in through hearing the descriptions, begin to recognize some of these uh, areas in which we cling. Now, we we have talked about some of these, so I'm going to go through these pretty pretty quickly. So the first body, body. What is affected by the world? It is deformed. The result of that, the experience of that, is the what is sometimes called the four elements. Um, uh, the experience of earth, air, fire, and water. Hardness, density, that kind of experience is the earth element. As I'm, as I'm saying them, you may be able to kind of touch in. In your body, you know, just the kind of the weight, the, the, the experience of like mass, mass of the body. The, the solidity of the skeleton, that there is something solid here, and a solid kind of experience happening. That's, that's the earth element. Um, air element is usually experienced as movement in the body. Vibration, tingling, pulsing, um, pushing, pulling, pressure, that kind of experience. As we breathe in, there is an increase of pressure in the area of the lungs. That's a manifestation of air element. You might just now put your attention in your hand. Maybe, maybe you might experience a little tingling or pulsing, vibration, That's air element. That's what's called air element. Fire element is the temperature element. Heat, coolness, 
a whole range of temperature. And water element is um, moisture. So this, this is, I think, easiest to feel uh, in your mouth, the, the slipperiness in your mouth. That's water element. The, uh, if, you're, if you have um, some perspiration, you know, the stickiness on your skin, when there's um, a little bit of water on your skin, like even now you could probably push your hands together hard and pull them apart slowly and there's a little stickiness that's a manifestation of water being on the skin. When you walk in bare feet on the, on the wood floor, you might feel a little stickiness. That's water element. So this is um, pointing to the kind of the bare elemental experience. The body, the body is, you know, just these bare sensations. And over that we overlay ideas of foot or hand or... um, knee or shoulder. So this is, you know, the, we in, in terms of the body, in terms of identifying with the body, when we actually come down to the bare experience of what's actually going on in the body, vibrations happening in the body, well, is vibration me? Is vibration mine? We might identify that way. Am I the vibration? Am I the heat? So we we do um, identify with the body, but usually the identification with the body is at the level of what we think about the body, our ideas about the body rather than the actual experience. And so this points to another way this teaching is powerful as we begin to come into contact with these actual experience of each of these aggregates, come into the actual experience of the body. It's a little... Uh, it it, un- it un- undermines the... Um, the process of believing it's I or me or mine. It begins to undermine that. Within these five aggregates, one of the five is the body, process of body. The other four are mental processes. And so this really is a it is a teaching that fits in really well with exploring the nature of mind, exploring how mind works. Because the Buddha identified these four mental processes as being kind of how the world, how experience is put together. So these four mental processes, feeling, perception, knowing, and um, mental formations. I'm going to talk about feeling, perception, and knowing. I've described them a little bit. I'll remind you. Feeling is that um, the experience of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. 
and the process that feels those. Perception is the uh, recognition of experience. The uh, identification, like, you know, we see this and it's Bell. We know it's Bell. We also, it, uh, we also see it at different levels, too. Um, we also may be recognizing it as brown or round. So the, the concept of bell is put together out of like, there's, there's lower level concepts in a way. So you know, an example from one, one day I was um, sitting at Jikoji um, and I turn, turned my head and my head fell on something on the side. My, my, eyesight, my eyes fell on something on the side. And immediately my, I saw the mind start recognizing it at different levels. The first thing it noticed was the color. And it noticed green. And then it noticed the shape of it. And, and the mind recognized jagged. And then it, and then it uh, recognized the um, leaf. So it put together... And it's like the, I saw the mind put together the uh, recognition of leaf from the bearer recognitions, you know, the, the recognition of color, of, of form, and then the mind put together leaf. So all of that is perception. So this, this is, a, is a very helpful process very helpful process in the mind. We've talked about how helpful these like shortcuts are, not having to walk in here and figure out every time I walk in here what walls are, what chairs are, what the floor is, what people are. And this is a very helpful process. Then um, the process side of it is the way in which you know, the mind will go out and recognize or, or, or match. It's kind of a matching process. I talked about this the other day, how when I walked into a darkened room and saw a shape over on the side, the mind was trying to recognize it. And it wasn't nearly as clear as green jagged leaf. It was like deformed being. I don't remember what the others were, but there were, it, took, it took probably a couple minutes before the mind actually recognized it as a vase of flowers. So the process, I could kind of see the mind going back to try to figure out you know, identify that shape of stuff. Where have I seen that before? Where has that been experienced before? You know, that, that process of recognition. So that's the process side of feeling, of, I'm, of perceiving. And then consciousness. Consciousness is, really, is mostly understood as this bare act of knowing just contact with the body, sound on the ear, sight on the eye, taste on the tongue. Just that bare knowing aspect. Six kinds of consciousness. Seeing consciousness, hearing consciousness, smelling consciousness, tasting consciousness, 
body consciousness, tactile consciousness, and mind consciousness. So these three, feeling, perception, consciousness, are so intertwined. It's, it's hard to tease them apart. It's, um, in fact, there's one, one, um, one discussion in the, in the suttas where somebody is trying to understand these three. How can I, how can I understand a feeling like, I don't want, I don't want it to be messed up with perception. I don't want to be messed up with knowing just what is feeling. And, um, you know, so can, can I know these separately from each other? And uh, the response was, you know, these three are conjoined. It's impossible. Let's see if I can read, see if I can find. They, ca- they cannot be separated in order to describe the difference between them. By pointing to one, it's like you have to use the others in order to point to it. So in order to point to knowing, for instance, we have to point to, well, what's known? Feeling is known or perception is known. In order to point to what's perceived, we have to uh, kind of say, well, the mind recognizes that. So the, the way I think about these three, that they're, they're basically the, the basic processes that meet our experience. They're the kind of how, how experience comes into this being. It's felt. It's known. It's recognized. All three of those happen at the same time. We can't say feeling happens apart from perceiving or perceiving happens apart from knowing. And so, but we can recognize them as distinct facets of experience. That we, may, we may have a sense that the process of feeling, the process of experiencing things through that felt process of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, has a different quality than that recognizing, cognizing process. The one that identifies experience. Or the knowing process. The one that just simply kind of meets experience. The process that just meets experience. So we can recognize these aspects of experience as being having different natures. I think that's the way Sayadaw would say it. That these processes have different natures. The nature of feeling is to feel. The nature of perceiving is to perceive. The nature of knowing is to know. And yet they can't be pulled apart. We need all three of them to take in, to be, to be experiencing. So I'm going to go back to feeling for a minute because sometimes it's confusing that feeling is a mental process. Because um, we often feel through the body. So the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral aspect of experience. One of the easiest places to know that pleasant, unpleasant, neutral aspect of experience is through the body. The, uh, the contact through the skin, you know, just if you touch your cheek kind of softly like that, that kind of has a pleasant quality to it, just that silkiness or softness. 
So the uh, that experience of that pleasantness with body, hard to understand that as physic is a mental process. Seems to be physical. And yet, um, uh, a, a way to kind of see perhaps that at the very least it's impacted by mental process, physical contact impacted by mental process. Just imagine you are on a busy street corner and you are waiting for a friend. And then you feel a gentle touch on your shoulder. So that touch contact, because you're waiting for your friend, it's about the time that your friend is going to be there. You know, the, the, there's an expectation perhaps of somebody will come, you know, somebody might come up and touch you. And, you know, it might be experienced as, as neutral or even pleasant, that contact of being touched in that way, a gentle touch. And then imagine you're on that same busy street corner, you're not expecting anybody, and you feel that contact. There might be a bit of reactivity, a bit of startle of, you know, feeling that that's an unpleasant experience because of the context of the situation. So how we feel things is very informed by the conditions of our mind. Well, another way of, of putting this is that the, the feeling isn't really in the objects. Like, um, you know, the, 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 the expe- here's, here's another, another one. So like a bucket of water. I'm sure you all tried this when you were kids. You know, a bucket of kind of room temperature water. And then you've got a bucket of ice water and a bucket of hot water. You put your hands in the two buckets of ice water and hot water. And then you put your hands in the bucket of room temperature water. And one hand feels hot and one hand feels cold. So it's, it's that kind of thing that, that it's not inherent in the object itself what the feeling is. It's conditioned. Feeling is conditioned. Neurobiology um, also agrees with this idea of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral being a mental experience. I read um, that the experience of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral arises in the brainstem. So it's pretty low-level brain function. But that's even contact on the skin. That's where it's put together, is in the brainstem. So... You know, sometimes science is our uh, refuge. <laughs> we may not believe, you know, we may not believe the uh, um, the Buddha saying, you know, feeling is a mental process. But when they've done experiments and realized that when you sever this part of the brainstem or burn that part of the brainstem, and feeling no longer feel is felt as pleasant or unpleasant, we're likely to believe that. <laughs> so, um, so feeling consciousness and perception, the three kind of really basic, bare aspects of how experience comes in to 
uh, mind. And then volitional formation, I saved this one for last because it's it's kind of, um, well, it's complicated. It's powerful. The way it's described is, um, well, I'll, start, I'll start with the result, the what part, which is, you know, the, the many mind states, the many... Uh, aspects of what happens in the mind that have a, a volitional element to them. Anger, confusion, uh, fear, uh, concentration, mindfulness, equanimity, boredom, confusion, dullness, flatness, all of that is in the terrain of mental form. It's for those, the, those are formed, uh, those, and they also, um, they also form. They also, I'm using the word form differently than I used before. They create, they construct. The relevant or one of the most relevant aspects of mental formations is that they are constructors. They are the constructors of experience. And what do they construct? Here's what the Buddha says. What do they construct? They construct conditioned form as form. They construct conditioned feeling as feeling. They construct conditioned perception as perception. They construct conditioned volitional formations as volitional formations. They construct conditioned consciousness as consciousness. So these constructing processes put together experience, impact create all of the other aggregates, including itself. So an example of this, um, just to kind of give you a flavor of how this constructing happens and how it impacts, how this construction of, you know, anger, for instance, how does it construct form? When anger arises... the face may become tense or tight. It's visible. You can see it. That mind state constructs an expression. You feel it as pressure and heat in the body. Constructing that physical aspect of experience. So the arising of anger comes with it, a construction of body. The arising of calm brings with it a very different experience of body than feeling. The arising of anger tends to construct unpleasant feeling. Experience tends to be unpleasant. Not just the very experience of anger, but 
we tend to also recognize or orient to, at least in my experience, when I have an aversive mind state, the mind orients to unpleasant. Experiences things. Things come in as unpleasant. So that mental formation of anger constructs feeling. It changes how we perceive things. You've reported this. Some of you have reported this kind of thing. That when there is a, um, a particular mood or feeling, our perception of experience, our perception of what's happening is very different depending on whether there's anger in the mind or calm in the mind. So it impacts how we recognize experience. These, this, this area of volitional formations is essentially those filters on the mind, those filters that we see through that impact how we take in information, impact how we recognize information, impact how we feel experience. So it constructs body, feeling, perception. It constructs, tends to construct more anger when we are uh, lost in that world of anger, lost in the world of that mental construct. It tends to fuel itself, constructing itself, constructing more anger. The mind, the mental formation of mindfulness Mindfulness fits into this whole picture. It's, it's a mental formation. The arising of mindfulness is a, a mental formation. So that, um, that mind state that has mindfulness constructs a different experience. Anger can be present. Mindfulness can be present. And the difference that you've... So you've all seen the difference between being immersed in a state and recognizing, oh, this is what's happening now. The difference in the experience because of the uh, arising of mindfulness. And consciousness, what we actually know is influenced by these filters. The information that we take in that we you know that that we that actually ends up contacting us is influenced by these filters so you know that that story of the the video that the researchers asked people to do the task have the agenda an agenda is a mental formation have an agenda to do a task and then um on that video, uh, the unexpected, uh, a guy in a gorilla suit walks by, and most people didn't see that. Most people did, didn't see that. The filter, the agenda, the mental formation of the agenda prevented the consciousness of, the knowing of that experience. Just, I think, in a rough way of understanding how uh, the constructs, mental constructs impact experience. We take in certain information and not other information. Conscious of some things, not conscious of others. 
so how we uh, explore, having, you know, heard about these, we begin to explore the experience of these processes at work and may begin to get a taste or a flavor of how the mind begins to congeal around these areas with the sense of I or me or mine. This is a, there's a whole um, beautiful teaching around this. 20 different ways we construct self around these five aggregates. I won't try to do that right now. Um, but I will uh, summarize those basics through a, a perspective that Bhikkhu Analio offers. Bhikkhu Analio um, is, a, is an amazing scholar, practitioner. Uh, he's a monastic um, does a lot of study of the suttas and is um, um, an adjunct professor at the University of Hamburg. So he's he's a he's a he's a true scholar and a true practitioner. So he really brings both of those together. And his framing of this, uh, how we cling or how we identify with each of these aggregates, he says, body is where I am. I am in this body. I am moving around with this body. It's the location of the self, the body. Feelings are how I am. I feel good, I feel bad, I feel pleasant, I feel unpleasant. How I am. Feelings are how I am. And as I say these, think you, you can reflect on how I am. Yeah, you know, that's a way that it's like we pick that up and own it. It's not simply a process rolling on. It's how I am. That's a big deal, how I am. Perception is what I am recognizing. This one's maybe a a bit subtler to uh, see how we might cling to that what I am recognizing. That may be more in the ownership area, my, uh, my experience kind of thing. Mental formations are the why of experience, why I am acting. The whole area of choice of Um, control falls into this terrain of mental formations. Being the one in charge, being the one in control, being the one who chooses that whole area. Mental formations are why I'm doing what I'm doing. This one, I think also we have an intuitive sense of ownership around this. I'm the one deciding to get up right now. I'm the one walking down the hallway. I'm the one reaching for that food. The, the, uh, the choices and the activities of life fall into this area, this terrain of, of mental formation. Mental formations impel us towards action. And this is a big area that we can, I think this is a huge area where we can begin to see the illusion of self. 
We start to recognize, uh, you know, sitting. The impulse to stand is conditioned on a full bladder. I think I said this example the other day. So the impulse to stand is conditioned on a full bladder. The pressure in the bladder is unpleasant. And the, uh, the unpleasantness conditions a desire to relieve that unpleasantness, resulting in the intention or the wish to uh, move. We can watch this unfold and see that actually this whole process of the body getting up and going to the bathroom didn't need an eye to decide to do it. It's a very natural unfolding process based on conditions, based on uh, that conditioned nature of experience. And consciousness, the knowing side, Bhikkhu Analyo says, consciousness is whereby I am experiencing, the way that experience comes in. So body is where I am, feelings are how I am, perceptions are what I am recognizing, mental formations are why I am acting, and a consciousness is whereby I am experiencing. There's a another beautiful, I'll see if I can do this in the last seven minutes, um, a beautiful um, set of analogies around the aggregates that um, one footnote, I think it was in Bhikkhu Bodhi's footnotes around um, these descriptions. Um, each of the aggregates has its own image. It's really an image that, it's like an analogy, an image that connects to that uh, that a- area of experience. And um, I think it was in one of Bhikkhu Bodhi's footnotes that he said, these images point to the ways that delusion creeps into this area. And because of that delusion, the sense of self comes in. So they're really, they're very evocative images. And I'll point to the, uh, the, the, the way that delusion starts to connect with each of these areas. So body, the image is a lump of foam the if you if you go to the beach at certain times of the year um there seems to be a lot of organic matter in the water and uh, as the waves churn there are these big lumps of foam like hanging out on the beach floating on the water you know you look at those lumps of foam from a distance and you know they don't change much from a distance they look pretty they look like a thing it looks solid it looks like you could, you know, pick it up and carry it around with you. But as soon as you like put your hand on it, it's like, it just, all the the bits of foam just kind of disintegrate. So the, um, the body, one of the delusive natures of the body is, is that the area where we can get um, fooled there is the appearance of solidity. The delusion creeps in around this area of solidity. Feeling is described as an airy bubble. And again, you know, the image of, um, I was up at Cloud Mountain recently and watching 
and the rainfall on a little pond, and there were water drops dropping on the pond, and little bubbles appearing on the surface of the pond. And they hung around. They kind of floated around for a while. You know, they hung around. So they lingered. And then suddenly, they were gone. So the lingering aspect of those airy bubbles, I think, is the feeling can have a lingering quality to it at times. This is my own understanding of these delusive natures of these. It's not anywhere in the text. This is just my own reflection on this. Perception is said to be like a mirage. And I was interested to explore this analogy a little bit by, you know, usually when, you know, we use the word mirage in a kind of a... um, conventional way or a, not in terms of a real mirage, you know, the, the mirages that happen in the desert, for instance. Um, we, we talk about it as if it's, you know, something that's not there. But what a, a mirage actually is, is a reflection of something that is there. When uh, in a desert you see a lake on the ground, it's something about the, the light and the refraction of the light that creates an image of the sky on the ground. And so it looks like this expanse of blue on the ground. That's a mirage. It's reflecting something that's there, but the reflection is not the reality. And the reflection is mistaken for the reality. You know, you, you hear about people, you know, walking through the, the desert, you know, of dying of thirst, and they see this blue expanse, and they go there, and it's like, oh, you know, it's not there, it's not. So the, the believing of the mirage, the believing of the uh, reflection, essentially, as a reality, that points to the, the delusive nature, where delusion creeps into perception, And we talked about that, the believing of the concept as reality, relating to experience through that concept rather than recognizing this is a concept. I mean, we're not trying to get rid of concepts here. Concepts are really useful. But to know that it's concept, when when we know that it's concept, it, it doesn't have that as much of a possibility of fooling us that what we're experiencing is the tr- the real thing or the truth you know just thinking about how you relate to people you know our concepts of people are so much of how we take in the experience of another person if we can even just recognize how i'm taking in that person is mostly my own ideas of the person if we can just even remember that it can help us to be able to meet them in a more real way. So the, the, um, the mirage having the uh, deluding nature of believing that reflection of reality as reality. Because concepts are a reflection of reality. At least that's my, that's my, that's my sense. I, I think there is something out there. Some, some uh, schools don't go there. 
<laughs> I do think there's something out there, and I think there's something that the that that is being reflected by these concepts. Volitional formations are said to be like a plantain tree, and a plantain tree is a banana tree, basically. And um, when I was in the Peace Corps, I lived in the South Pacific, so I got to know what banana trees are like, and they're basically. Um, you know, they look pretty solid. Some of them are like, you know, five, six inches around. You, know, you have to cut them down with a hatchet. They they feel pretty solid um, when, when you want to, you know, remove them. You have to cut them down. So it's like they feel pretty solid. But if you if you cut that banana tree down and then start trying to find the core, find the center of that banana tree, you take off a leaf it's like the, the, each, the, 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 the banana tree body is created by leaves just layered one on top of another, just like in this spiral of leaf on top of leaf on top of leaf on top of leaf. And so you cut the banana tree down and you start pulling off leaves. leaves. You pull off that one, you pull off the next 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 one, and then you've got a pile of leaves in front of you and nothing's there. This uh, illusion of solidity created by layering, this is the delusive nature, one of the delusive natures of um, mental formations. Thinking about, just reflecting on how our, um, you know, those big messy complexes of um, emotional storms, how there's, you know, a bit of confusion and a bit of anger and a, you know, just like layers and threads all interwoven together, making it feel like something really solid. And yet we begin to recognize it. We meet it. We begin to see, oh, there's a, there's a little bit of confusion. There's a little bit of maybe a lot of anger, a lot of confusion, but it's, it's all layered there. And when we just meet it, meet it, meet it, we just see its processes unfolding. And not an I there in the middle. Not an I doing that. And then the the last analogy, consciousness, is like a magic show. It says it's like as if there's a magician at a crossroads and people are ooing and eyeing over the magic that's done by this magician. This one's interesting. Um because sometimes consciousness is talked about as just being this bare element of experience. And yet the analogy brings in this aspect of a weaving of an illusion together. And so I was reflecting on this, like, what is the weaving of the illusion around consciousness? And the thing that I came up with, and I I don't know if this is what the Buddha was pointing to, but there's something here that's really... Um, interesting to to explore and think about. It's like we can't really separate the various areas of contact with various senses. I mean, like when I look at that wall, my um, the mind knows that the contact, the physical, so there's the side of the wall, right? So there's the side of the wall, and my mind knows that physical contact with that wall would be hardness. Like, I cannot, it's, it's hard to tease apart the side of the wall from knowing that it would be hard if I ran into it. 
You know, it's like that, that nothing in my being would like want, want to run full force at that wall because the, the mind so intimately weaves together that sight with that sense of contact. And so I think this, you know, this weaving together of all of the sense doors into objects may be part of what's pointed to by this magician analogy. And so exploring these five aggregates, exploring these processes, they, they're going on all the time. Mindfulness may or may not be happening when these processes are going on. We've talked about that. But these five aggregates are going on. With the arising of mindfulness, what is known is these processes these ongoing processes. This has been helpful for, um, for me in my own reflection. It's like just this understanding that this mind-body process is kind of tumbling forward and the awareness wakes up into what has already tumbled forward. It's just like awareness just meets what's already arisen. Just these processes. And exploring these processes can help us to begin to understand this clinging and suffering process that goes on. So it's time to stop. So let's sit for a moment. <laughs> 